Welcome to this week's episode of Grow or Die. My name is Alora Chestikoff, and I am from Firebird Summit. My partner in this podcast is Lawrence Henderson from Boss LLC. Every week we meet and discuss coaching topics relative to professional development, personal development, business, and entrepreneurship. Join us and see if there's anything else you'd like to add to the conversation. Well, hello, hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of Grow or Die. I am Alora Chestikoff from Firebird Summit. Hey, hey, everyone. Lawrence Henderson with Boss LLC. It is great to be back once again. Yes, I know. We feel like it feels like our schedule is kind of like off this this season, but I think it's, heading into the holidays, everything gets exactly every week. So, okay. Well, how you doing? I'm doing good. Just came off the holidays. And, and uh, like you said, it's that season of giving. Um, and I believe you have a good topic for us today. How are you doing? Uh, so the topic that I would like to tackle today is, you know, managing our own triggers. I think, you know, one of the things that is um, really interesting about getting older is like, you know, we, for the most part, if you've done any, you know, real work on yourself, get clearer and clearer what things just get under your skin. And, you know, hopefully I know that, you know, I put a lot of time and effort into, you know, uh, managing my inclination to be a hothead and try to get better at that. And, and sometimes I watch other people and how they're, you know, inclined to respond and think, wow, I'm so glad I don't, you know, have, I have a little bit better handle on that now. Other times, man, somebody will say something or do something and I can feel the hair on the back of my neck stand up and I am like, <laughs> and so, you know, I just, I, I, you know, and I know you definitely are another person who, who has at times really like struggled to stay on top of, you know, your own trigger management. So yeah, I think that's, that's what I'm talking about today. Like, and it's, I think to some extent, it's kind of a practical exercise, right? Like what, what do you do when you're, some of it's, you know, very like stupid little tips and tricks kind of stuff, but God, like, yeah, from beginning to end, like if you're trying to manage your own triggers, when, when you started realizing that, you know, you had to kind of reevaluate how you were responding to things, what, what was that process like for you? What did you do? Uh, I, I know. And, and I think it, having this conversation, like, again, for a lot of people, they were like, I don't believe nothing's wrong with me. Uh, well, probably who's been affected by you before, right? How are you influencing the environment you're in? Um, and, and it makes me think about my time in the military and then my time out of the military where certain things in uniform were allowed, right? Whether in writing or, you know, folklore, tribal wisdom, right? I was allowed to pop off because when in charge, take charge and all of the crazy that came with that, right? But then once I transitioned out, and I would have a blah moment, like, and if people freaked out, like I thought something was wrong with them and everybody else was looking at me like something's wrong with you. Um, but then as an awareness thing for me, that's when I started going deep and it happened, it was a trigger. And I always go back to this story. One of my buddies um, who, and, and there's, a, there's a certain thing around allowing, again, feedback, the gift of feedback. Um, it was a moment and he said to me, he said, Lawrence, he said, you're an extremely gifted leader. He said, however, comma, um, people aren't drawn to you when you cut, when you're trying to give them information and when you cut trying to pull the information back. He said, so you're cutting both ways. He said, what you're saying, like it may be totally right, but people can't hear if they're harmed by you. And, and so it was in that moment that all of the previous conversations that I thought my wife was being super sensitive. It all came back. And I was like, oh my gosh, she was right the whole time. And I'm so sorry. And, and, I, and I recall running into the house and her giving me the most whatever face that she could come up with in that moment was like, so it took somebody else to tell you stuff that I've been telling you for the last 12 years of our marriage. Um, and, you know, four years later, I'm still getting that same conversation. Um, but yeah, it was really the realization in, somebody having to bring th something into my consciousness that I was just operating. And again, 
I am the self-proclaimed. I pick up my own leadership books. I, I'm self-taught and I study and I'm like, I got this thing in the bag. And I, all the while, if I looked back, there was a trail of bodies <laughs> that I, I was triggered by certain things and I was just slaying people along the way. So it's funny. So <clears throat> I had a similar experience. I remember, um, I don't even remember what the actual event was, but it was, it was one of those, um, it's one of those situations where kind of like everybody knows, but nobody says, and nobody, like nobody tells the boss, like it's some, it was some kind of sacred cow, something or other that nobody wanted to tell the boss. And I remember like it, it finally made it up to, to my bosses and owners of the company. And I remember one of, one of the three owners looking at me and saying, but I don't understand. Why didn't anybody tell us? And, you know, in the moment, my reaction was like, well, okay, well, I guess that's kind of a fair question, but the flip side of that is why would you assume, you know, like you're the boss, like, do you not understand like the, the inherent distance that, that, that tends to create in like a social hierarchy kind of, and, you know, we were in a tech firm. So it's not like it was like a super hierarchical, like, you know, banking or financial institutions that are really rigidly structured. I mean, it was, it was a pretty flat organization for the most part, but even then, like, it was just, you know, there was a, a general, true confusion from his perspective at the idea that, you know, the company was too big or he was seen as too removed to have been like on the receiving end of like that kind of like scuttlebutt that would have given him an idea of some of the stuff that was going on. And I, I remembered having this moment where I'm looking at him thinking, why would you think you would hear gossip? Like, seriously, uh, you're, you're one of the owners and you're like the boss boss. Like, don't you know the boss boss never hears gossip like that? And then fast forward, I was the boss boss and I made the same mistake as him. I completely thought like, hey, no, my team, trust me, I'll hear. And then after the fact, I'm like, how the hell did I not know that I was going on? Holy shit. And the thing is, is that, you know, over in that period of time, I had gotten better about managing my temper, my reaction. So, you know, earlier in my career, people were, you know, very reluctant to give me news. They thought I might have a bad reaction too, because they weren't necessarily confident that I was going to react well. You know, by the time, you know, I was the boss and, but still not hearing things, it wasn't even as much at that point about my temper. It was simply the fact that that the, the structure there made it kind of fundamentally unsafe to tell me certain things. Um, and so I had to be able to look at that and say, okay, I, I can't expect that they're going to. So the most I can do is try to do my own outreach. But in some ways that actually makes the temper thing even more dangerous, right? Like I've had, I've had CEOs who were screamers, like just, you know, and I, I, I have a, I'm working with someone now who has this, who has a, a partner team that has a CEO who just threw a humongous hissy fit in a meeting and then walked out of the meeting and fired one of his directors as a sacrificial lamb just because. And like the thing, you know, and of course the thing that he didn't see in the moment is the ripple effect of broken trust that that has created throughout his organization. Like he has, he clearly has no idea the kind of damage he just did. But I think that's, you know, I always reference Marshall Goldsmith's, you know, article, uh, it's not a fair fight when you're the CEO. And this is part of it, right? Because you've already, when you are the boss, when you are in a leadership position, you already have a little bit more power in a lot of settings than you necessarily realize you have. If you factor in a temper or a, at least a mistrust of your temper on top of that, I think you're making it super, super unlikely that you're going to hear a lot of really important shit that you want to hear. And you probably assume you're getting. And the problem is, is that you don't know what you don't know. And so all kinds of stuff happens. It's totally off your radar. Mm -hmm. No, I, I love your use of the mistrust of your own temper. And that speaks to a certain level of awareness and even somebody's capacity to even do something about it. Um, and, and I recall, and, and I love your the, the analogy of, again, it's not a fair fight when you're a CEO. And that lack of awareness of how 
people are different with you. Not even if in, in how rooms shut down when you speak, right? And if you speak first, you're not noticing everybody is just saying enhancements of what you just said. They're not saying anything different. They're just solidifying what you said as the thing we're going to do. And to, to not be present to that, particularly around something like conflict and something like our triggers, like it's so dangerous. Like I, again, in a family dynamic, like I didn't know my, my wife, the closest person to me, the person I say I would take a bullet for, she's the first person I would die for, doesn't want to bring hard things to me because of how I had a hissy fit about the last thing or I immediately went to, why are you attacking me this way? She was like, I just asked you about the sky being blue. That's all I asked you. Did you care that the sky was blue? It's a beautiful shade of blue, right? And But it's but what I heard was, God, why don't you pick up your socks? Oh, when are you gonna do a load of laundry? When you, So all the things that came in that person's voice, like everything got triggered. And so as business owners, as leaders, the biggest thing we can do is like, again, and, and I have this, we shouldn't, we shouldn't do anonymous feedback and surveys. Well, last time somebody actually said your name in a comment, you pit, you pop the cork. Like, so nobody feels safe. You've destroyed, trust is fractured. And so you now have to rebuild that trust in your ability to even be an adult when it comes to receiving feedback. And I believe a lot of times that old analogy is like, people always say, you know, I wear my heart on my sleeves. I think we all do. I think in some cases when depending on the topic and depending on what it is, if we feel like this is something sacred that we haven't given people an allowance to give us information on, or it's a trigger for us. Um, and one, I had a, a client, a project manager, I don't even know if I told you about this one. Well, there was a session I was doing a training session. I thought I'm, I'm, I'm giving them my best. And at the end, it was like she gave this like PSA announcement around the objective of what this was supposed to be. And all. But all I heard was her attacking my ego. She just ripped apart the last hour of effort that I just put in. She just called me not good enough. So all my imposter syndrome stuff, all that stuff started flaring up and my daddy's nose flare popped in. My, and I was like, oh my God, my nose, my nose. And I felt it coming, but it was like, I can't stop it. I can't stop it, daddy nose flare. And it was out there already. And after the session, like I, like she had to stay and she was like thinking she was giving me feedback, but all I was hearing was, you're not good enough. That sucked. That like, and, and again, but it was like, I showed her the trigger. And it was like, that open wound that I, it was a bullet wound. I tried to put a bandaid on. And it was in that moment, that awareness, I was like, Ooh, I need to call my coach. And I, I, I need to work through this. And I sat and I meditated and I wrote, I, I dang near wrote a journal worth of notes that night from that in that encounter. I never wanted it to happen again. Cause that was a client. And that was a, that was session one of a 12 month contract. Like, I'm like, Oh my God, this is crazy. So yeah, it, it it's, it's a thing. Oh, completely. So I love that example because it's, I love that you felt the reaction coming, but even, and I think this is where managing your triggers gets hard, right? Because first, first step is you have to start understanding what they are so that you're recognizing them, but just because you're recognizing doesn't automatically make them just, you know, manageable. And okay, great. That's what that is. I'm gonna put it on a shelf and make it go away. You know, I, I, uh, I, for, you know, and the thing is, is that there's also I think there are also things that we know, right? So you just mentioned imposter syndrome. So, you know, when, when feedback, you know, sparks that kind of, of just cord for you, that's how you react. For me, it's, it's, it's the idea that, oh, you're not smart enough. You miss something. And like that just, oh God. And I, I don't react well at all. Like there will be moments you know, where I'll get, and, and it can be in any form. And I feel my reaction. I feel my, I feel myself stiffen and I feel my, my, uh, <laughs> I basically feel like the dictionary, my brain start coming up with like multisyllabic, like 
condescending responses and I start writing emails in my head, especially it's the email, which is normal in a work setting, right? Like I start writing emails in my head that are just like eviscerating,ly vicious. And um, I have to, I have to rein it in. And it's one of those things that is, I think, so easy to kind of feel like, oh, hey, I understand what, what bothers me now. This is great. And that is great, but that's not the end of the line. Because then the question is, what do you do about it? You feel yourself being triggered, right? So you you just mentioned a couple of things. Obviously, you want to talk to your coach, you gotta like find a way to get out. You journaled, you meditated. You know, for me, um, you know, one of the things that I've really learned to do is not respond right away, if at all possible. You know, I'm I'm especially when I'm working in a client project. I'm usually pretty aggressive about responding to email as quickly as I can. And I have always found that if I'm having, if I feel that reaction and I'm having a, well, screw you too, kind of response to something, that is not when I mean you're writing an email, like forget it, just come back to it, do whatever, like don't respond in the moment if you don't absolutely have to. Now, sometimes, you know, you're in person and, and you know, you're being asked the question right there and you don't have a way around it. But my first, my first go-to is buy yourself some time, get up, walk around, do whatever you can, you know, or at the very least, just, you know, breathe deeply. I might, you know, my problem these days, uh, when something like that happens is I usually, I'm usually on video calls while I'm like reading the email, like I'm multitasking and like reading the email while I'm on a video call. So like, I'm trying to keep a poker face because like, I, I, Otherwise, there's, I'm just shooting myself in the foot. So, you know, there's a lot of like stuff about kind of the managing it that's, that's important. But I think the first thing for me is always don't respond when you're paying. Yeah, I love, I love that. And, and what you, and, and again, to get into the coaching part of kind of what we do, um, and it goes from evaluation of what's happened to observation, right? And, and you go inward. Um, and, and again, in that moment, when, it, when I, the note that I wrote myself, the physical reaction that I was having when my nose was flaring, I couldn't like, I couldn't breathe. My chest got tight. I started sweating, like I got hot. Like it was like a rage inferno. And I was like, and that's the part that scared me. Cause I was like, it's been a minute since I felt like that. But then it was like, okay, now that I know the body thing is happening to me, what was, what, what was I thinking? Like, so all those thoughts, right? All those thinking traps that I was like, I mean, it was all or nothing. I was catastrophizing. Like, I was like, I'm about to lose this contract. Like I, like I literally was going there in, in moments. And, and again, it was like this conflict, this reacting and keeping yourself these triggers and I was like, what is happening to me? Why am I having this reaction? So it's like, again, the, the body emotion, I observed what was happening with me, then my thoughts, and then the urge, like you said, the, the yet I want, I had an urge to yell, like is really the nose thing was like, here it comes, like you about to pop a cork. And, and I was like, okay, I stopped the cork. I kept my mouth shut. And I was like, okay, I ended the session and I let her talk, which, which was huge for me. Because I was like, as soon as this last person gets off, like the urge was as soon as the last person drops off this Zoom call, I'm going ham. Like I'm, ah, I'm about to blow up. But I kept it and I just let her talk. And I, I tried to stay in coach mode as much as I could. And I had to get it out. I was like, I totally disagree. Like, like that was the one thing I got out. I was like, I had to get that out. And it was like, literally that was the release valve. Once I said I disagreed, I was like, whew. That's all you needed to say is that you disagreed. We'll, we'll agree to disagree today. We'll talk about it tomorrow. And, and it was like, shut the call off. And I was like, oh my God, that was growth. Because I'm telling you, oh Lord, I wanted to go. It was, it was hammer time. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think that's actually, I think another really great, um, great point too that you make, right? Is, is recognizing your physical symptoms, right? So for me, I absolutely so and 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 i think some of us kind of really get stuck i'm really bad about living in my head right i i i have gone years paying absolutely no attention to how i feel about anything i can sit and be working 
for six hours with a headache before I notice that I have a headache. I am, I am notoriously and historically terrible about paying attention. The, like all of that, like it's, it's, it's been a huge challenge for me to like, actually like get back in my body enough to pay attention to what my physical like reaction is to something. And so I'm not always consistent about it. Um, I know I, I, but I have definitely gotten better about realizing that just pissed me off. And then feeling what happens, right? I, I hold my breath. I clench my jaws. I get my, my back gets really stiff. Like I just, like, I just tighten up everywhere. Um, the holding my breath thing is the thing that I really, really notice. Um, I've actually bitten my tongue several times from clenching my jaw too hard. Um, uh, yeah, that, that one's really, and that one's really bad. If I, if things are, are really stressful, I'll do that in my sleep, which is really when I mess up my tongue, that hurts. But, um, but like I just being aware that that's how my physical like reaction to something, you know, manifests itself, which is where I start becoming, oh yeah, that made me angry than I thought it did, you know, or especially because when I am in a situation where maybe I am multitasker, I'm taking care of a bunch of things or having a conversation with a whole bunch of people. And I'm trying to keep things moving. I'm trying to keep the, you know, the progress on whatever we're trying to do. But at the same time, the back of my mind's like, screw you. That's bullshit. I don't want And I start, you know, getting all worked up. And so realizing that, yeah, no, okay. You can't talk through a clenched jaw dummy. Like, and you got to breathe or you're going to pass out. (laughs) It doesn't actually work. So I think learning to recognize those symptoms was, was super, super helpful. Um, but I think then the other part of that is for me, the, the, especially the not breathing, um, is, in some ways, almost the easiest thing to remedy to help. Because if I stop long enough to take a like true deep breath, it is a, it buys me some time to kind of get my thoughts together, but it also like all, I can feel like my endorphins like calm down, like everything else in my body starts to kind of relax again. And then I can sort of unclench and move forward. But yeah, that, that physical reaction, God, that took me so long to recognize that that's what I was doing. And I was doing it all the time. The breath holding thing is like, that's the hardest one for me because I can, I can do it for a lot longer than I realize and not notice that I'm doing it. Um, And so that, that to me has been probably the easiest thing to help like shift how I'm, how I'm physically feeling. But then to your point, then it's, what are the thoughts that got me here? Right. Because it's not usually, I mean, maybe 20% of the time someone was such an overt like jackass that maybe like, it's super obvious that they were really being like, uh, on a, on a more personal attack. But for the most part, I'd say 80% of the time, it was how I took what they said and not what they actually said. And that part is so much harder. And I think your point about what are the thoughts that I walked away from and what, you know, to like Brene Brown says, right. What's the story I'm telling myself mm-hmm. that has led from that one line and that email they sent to me ready to punch my fist through something. And how did I get there? And starting to kind of walk through whatever those thoughts were, I think is, is, I think it's extremely hard, especially in the beginning when you're first trying to get your arms around that. Um, I actually find that's actually where journaling is really, really helpful because what I'll, I'll do is, okay, this is what, and I've, I've done this a number of times when I was trying to figure out why I was having such an extreme reaction to something that didn't seem that extreme um, or something that didn't seem that like that much of an attack or that personal um, is I would write down, okay, this is what so-and-so said. And then as, and usually the first couple of this, this was my first thought. This was my second thought. Usually the first couple are hard, but once I get past maybe the second or third, like whatever that daisy chain is after that usually starts unraveling pretty easily. And then it's really easy to see how I got to a point of being pissed off and defensive. Um, but it's, it's a hard discipline to get in the habit of recognizing. Um, and so I think that, that the journaling thing to your point, I think it can be really, really helpful. Yeah. And I, and I think, what, what what comes up for me as you describe, you know, how you process and how you go through it, it really, and you, you identified it, it really comes to answering the very objective fact of, <laughs> is this actual a personal attack or is this conflict that I'm actually experiencing? Or like you said, 
am I having a perceived kind of attack that is not really there? Because you, you mentioned something. We give voice to word. It, we literally will read a message in the other person's voice who sent it. And depending on the what we believe the context of the message is, we will read it in the tone in which the last encounter that wasn't a very good one, right? Last time you read an email from somebody in a, in a Mickey Mouse voice or Minnie Mouse voice, like we don't read emails like that. We don't read emails to laugh, to smile, to assume the best of an email. Like we read messages to say, oh God, what did I do? Like that was just a follow-up to the project team meeting. Like I'm just following up. And, and so- well, Person, right. So I yeah. think this is the thing too, yeah. right? So if you have someone who is in either either you don't like them, don't yeah. trust them, whatever, yeah. and you get a message of almost any kind, it's very kind. hard. It's very hard yeah. to not assume the worst or not to oh interpret it in a way that's that's fundamentally uncharitable. And the truth is, okay, yeah, maybe they are an ass or maybe they yeah. are political and eager to throw you under the bus if they get the chance but that doesn't mean that's what that message actually was oh, for sure. so it can be really hard to start and it's kind of also like what you said earlier about mm. when you were in the military right some of it's also there's a very large um cultural component here right mm-hmm. i've worked in like you know scrappy startup environments where it was okay to lose your temper a little bit you, you know and then you move into more corporate structured yeah. you know hyper polite passive aggressive environments and mm-hmm. holy macro you don't do that ever i, ever. I worked in both right, in my early career outside of the military how did i end up in both of those organizations in a matter of three years it i was like y'all are schizophrenic on this side of life i was like why did i leave the military like i was like at least at least i could show up and know what i was getting like absolute crazy on a daily basis but i said you all need to be committed like that, like that's the world I was living in. And, and like, like you said, it was like, whose reality am I living? And like, again, I was like, I didn't know that was a trigger for me. And, and again, you talk about managing and leading through those, those kind of triggers is what happens with growth, right? You, you mentioned like, as, as we, as we age, like our, our level of care kind of begins to become fleeting. Like, like, ah, I'm just going to let this one fly. And, and you take it how you take it, and, and we're going to go from there. And I recall um, there, I had this leader who, and again, flashback military to a horrible leader, and they basically, in so many words, told me to shut up in color. And I was like, oh, man, you don't even know what you just said to me. Like, you just signed up for World War III. So every message after that interaction, I read it like the last conversation we had instead of keeping that conversation in the context in which it was and like you said read the messages and hear the messages for the moment you're in not for bringing any all of it came the whole wagon of stuff came every single email i was reading like this mother and i and i literally had drew a line in the sand and said, anything they tell me to do, I'm going to do the opposite. Yep. So that's actually a really good, so that's actually a really good technique that I haven't had to use in a while, but uh, in, in having this conversation, it just reminded me of. So you made, you made a joke about the Mickey Mouse voice, but the reality is one of the things that I think is really helpful, and, and this is especially true in email, social media, anything else, right? When you're dealing with a written, a written message, that's getting under your skin, try to reread it as if it came from your mother or your spouse or your sister or your kid or whatever, and see if you have the same reaction. Like, is the reaction really about the words or is there something in there that because of the person it's coming from is just stick it in your craw in a way that's that's counterproductive. Um, and so I think that sometimes can be really, really helpful, especially if you find that there are a few people in particular that you're struggling to kind of manage your reaction to. Um, try looking at it and rereading it like it came from, you know, somebody you love and see see if you react the same way. I, lo- I love that because um because I imagined all of those messages and it made me smile. 
if mm-hmm. I would have read it like it came from my mom, I'd have been like, oh, mom. Like, like that's how I read the message. Like, and I'm like, here we go. All right, mom. But it was funny because this same person, they're LinkedIn creeping me now. And so I saw that they were on my profile and literally split second, I like went back with the wagon and it was like, really dude, really dude. You know, and it, it literally was that read the message like, like, ah, they're, they're fanning you. So I, t- I like total reframe, total yeah. reframe in that moment was like, instead of them lurking and, and what they on my profile for, they fanning. I felt, I was like, you gotta, you got another fan. Like, be excited about a fan. Like, I was like, yeah, the told, of, yeah. Instead of the boogeyman hiding behind the bushes in front of your house, it's, <laughs> actually, it's actually, you know, the delivery guy showing up with flowers. Okay? Exactly, exactly. I didn't, and crazy enough, it's like, right? It's like UPS, UPS at night. Like, who's out in front of our clothes in dark clothes? Like, it's the UPS man. Like, what are you talking about? They dropping off packages at night. Like, there's not nobody trying to rob you. Um, and, and again, the catastrophizing that we we don't understand. Um, and again, other another thing is the language around what the trigger actually is. And I believe that's a, a hang up for a lot of people. I know it was for me, because early on, before I got, I deep dived into coaching, I had no language for what was happening with me um, and, and being empathy being introduced to me in that context was new because I empathy was like, put yourself in somebody else's shoes and experience life their way and understanding. But to say it that way, as it pertains to effective communication, I was like, that's a thing. And so I, I went to researching that. And, and again, now I get dictionary.com words of the day like send to my text to my phone like and because i will now i want to dig into context and am i using and am i staying in the moment and actually using and communicating with people based on now not based on and again if i'm asking about something previous i'm being careful and mindful about making sure they understand specifically where i'm talking about so we could bring this thing forward if it makes sense to bring it forward if it doesn't leave it there but making sure that we're having conversations about the moment we're in so we could be present together and we can have the same conversation because the, I believe not having language is probably the big, that's what's been happening over the last six months is we talk about social injustice, political issues, family issues, where people stand. Like literally you have people who are on spectrums when we just need to sit still and just be like, okay, where are we with this? And then talk to people like we love them. Simple as that. Well, and listen to them like we do. Say it louder for the people in the back. Like, (laughs) listen. Yeah. Well, and it's so it's interesting too, right? So what I love about what you just said also about the language part, right? I think it's true. You know, diving into, you know, coaching training. For me, one of the things that was the most useful was putting a language around my triggers, right? I, we all have... We all have buttons, right? We all, we, and we all have our own triggers, but being able to say, okay, look, I know now in a way that I can articulate to myself, if not always to everyone else, but at least that, okay, I know that these, you know, three or four things are, are knee jerk triggers for me. That doesn't mean I always have to respond and not, but, but once I can start putting language around that, then it's much easier to be able to say to my partner, Hey, look. I know that, you know, we were wherever we were and I had this reaction. When you see me doing this, please just like, you know, poke me in the rib cage because I, I, I like I really like mentally checked out. I went into autopilot. And I think that's one of the hardest things about um, dealing with triggers is that until you start putting a language around it and you start having an awareness in the moment, you start recognizing your physical symptoms, you start recognizing those things a lot of times we're just on autopilot and and you can't break a habit until you are able to actually start figuring out how to stop yourself from acting on it in the moment. And it's so difficult to do. And so putting language around it, whether it's talking, whether it's talking to a coach, whether it's journaling, whatever it is, is, is just an, um, an invaluable step and being able to say, okay, yeah, I'm ready to break something over that person's head right now. 
I clearly need to find a way to end this phone call and go out and take a few deep breaths. But until you can do that, you know, it's just, it's so easy, right? I, I used to remember how much I would fly off the handle about stuff. And I wasn't, I was so unaware for so long that, hey, dummy, you're yelling and everybody in the office can hear you. Well, that's just rude. But like, I wasn't, I wasn't aware enough, you know, that that's what I was actually doing. And it just took, it takes time. And I think that's maybe the other thing is that, you know, especially when you get started, it can seem really huge and really overwhelming. To me, it's kind of like meditating. You know what, you're going to start doing it. You can't expect results in a month. You can't, you probably can't expect results in a year, quite honestly. You're going to have to keep at it and keep at it. And part of the value of being able to start articulating it is asking for help from the people you trust, because that is sometimes, you know, how many times has your wife or, you know, somebody in your family that you love and you trust said, dude, what are you getting so worked up about? I, I, I wasn't attacking you. And then only then did you realize that your reaction was more forceful and more direct dramatic than the situation maybe warranted. And I think that really, and, and that is a perfect level setting like kind of kind of transition for for what we've we've been talking about as, as it pertains to triggers and then again people in particularly in this season that we're in now right people's like how, how we're going to lead through change in, in this new environment it's grace it's grace and some mercy when even when somebody actually flies off extend them some mercy yeah we we know they didn't earn it because they actually deserve every lashing that they get after what they just said. But let's get to the root cause of it. And then actually can actually say sorry for it and actually learn from it and begin to take those steps, not those leaps, those steps towards what right looks like. Because I believe, again, like language, there's no muscle memory around the right behavior, right? Again, you thrust people into these, like you said, it used to just be a job perk to work from home. Now you ain't got no choice. And then you toss in children, you toss in all of this stuff. Like we were able to take a break from each other for at least eight hours a day. Now for 24 hours a day, everything's on the same noodle. Everybody's riding the same wave. I have to be all things at all times to all people. And, and so those levels and People actually have identified, probably identified triggers that they didn't even know they had around oh, yeah. personal boundaries and personal space. Because again, newlyweds, imagine what they're going through right now. Like they were dating pre-COVID and now in marriage, you're like, oh my God, I'm with you all the time now. Even oh, though I, I really, you know, it's funny. So I was, talking, I was talking to my, I have a health coach. And uh, I was talking to her about, I was been having trouble like getting a schedule, getting back into a regular workout schedule. I just, it's, and it's, it, it hasn't been just since COVID. It's really been like, since I came back to the U S last, you know, last December or last November, but really since COVID it's been like really bad. Um, and she said, well, but you're also living with somebody now. Like you, you used to live by yourself and had complete control and don't, didn't have a dog. And now I have, you know, two plus a partner and we're all in the same house and we're all working from home all the time. And it's like, oh yeah, you're right. No wonder I have been having a harder time figuring out like how to manage my schedule. I, and it was funny because like, I didn't actually like that part didn't register. I kept thinking, oh my God, my, I'm now like two time zones back and my clients are ahead. So they all want all my early morning hours, which now is like throwing my schedule out, like all out of whack. And, you know, and, and I'm, I'm living in the mountains now where it's freezing cold. So I can't, I don't want to go out and run because it's only 30 degrees. That's like, you know, I'm like, I'm kind of like going through all these other excuses. And she's like, or when was the last time you lived with someone? And I was like, oh yeah, that's, that's, that's been a while. There's no wonder I'm, you know, and like, and I think that's a really good point, right? I mean, it was, I think it was yesterday. He was on the phone dealing with work. I'm on calls and I can hear his voice and I'm like, oh, and I had to shut the office. I had to shut my office door because like, he's got a really loud voice. And so I'm like on 
I'm on video calls and everybody can hear them. I'm like, mm-hmm. so I'm like closing the door, but you know, that it's like hot in here and I'm sweating because there's no airflow because I closed the door. And it's like, like all of these like stupid little things that, you know, one by one don't really matter, but they pile on top. And by the time I'm, you know, I'm out, I'm done with work at the end of the day yesterday, I'm like, pissed off and grumpy and I'm going downstairs and I'm slamming stuff. And, you know, it's like, oh my God, really girl. But again, like those are not things that you necessarily recognize were triggers before. And now it's like, okay, well, you know, cut everybody some slack, like starting with yourself, but like, just, you know, take a deep breath and, you know, whatever, make dinner, do something else, go play with the puppy. I don't know, find something. Yeah, and I, and I think um, one of the biggest things we had to do, um, even in relationship, just with other people, just the intentionality, right, of communicating desires of, of interaction, right? And, and again, just that simple example of being on calls at the same time. This is the first time my, my wife switched jobs. This is the first time she hasn't been in education since we moved to a location back in 2011 that she like literally voluntarily left education to where she's 100% home with me. And that same thing, I'm like, where are you going to be and do you have calls? That's it's literally the conversation, right? Because there was a session, um, I was in a training session and this mic, you, we know Yeti mics, super sensitive and can hear everything. Well, every now and again, she gets playful. And she whispered something and I was like, oh my God. And like, you see just what your face is doing, their faces did. (laughs) And I'm talking about livid beyond livid. Like I couldn't get them to break out rooms fast enough. Like I was like, but it was just like that trigger. And it was like, why? It was like, why? Like, why that? Like, why was that a thing? And it was boundaries, disrespect. It, but again, had it been communicated? But in, in our minds, we rationalized before. It shouldn't have had to be. Yeah. I'm, in my, I'm doing my job. It shouldn't have had to be. Well, again, we're all doing things that we've never done before. Why do you assume and why do you think that was something that didn't need to be talked about? Or even something that needs to be help people remind people of. And so now, what do I do? Preparatory command. Hey, I have a couple sessions today with clients. Preface with clients. Um, so my door is going to be shut. You can come in because the way my desk sits now, you could sit on the couch, right? And and so those are the things that I'm like, Jesus help me. Like literally, it was in that moment. I was like, it was fear. It was fright. It was anger. It was all the things popped up. I was like. And I couldn't look over in anger at her. Like, like you said, had to keep a tray face. And I'm like, oh my God, my heart was in my stomach, right? So, so I think triggered, like this is a good one for this, particularly this holiday season, right? We're in between and unknowns of 2021, unknowns of a new president. Um, and all of these things are going to happen for people. And I believe just the skill set, like you said, if, if I believe if anybody starts this work, just identifying and being mindful of just what is what's happening with your body like if you could start there just with that observation and then transition to the thoughts and begin to write them and make it real so you could create your own language around what this stuff is I think that that would be a good start I don't know what what you think no I think that's I think that's a fantastic start I also think there's you know my 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 fiance is a hothead too and it's funny to watch because I'll watch him react to something and I'm like Oh, I remember having that kind of reaction. Um, and every once in a while, he'll look at me. He's like, oh my God, you're such a robot. And I'm like, dude, I worked really hard <laughs> getting to be robotic about this. And and so we'll have this conversation. I'm like, look, I said, I, I get why you're frustrated. I said, you know, but, but um, uh, at the end of the day, the lesson that I have learned more than anything else for myself is that I don't trust my own decision-making when I am trying to make decisions when I'm And next, and sometimes more importantly, like it doesn't help me to get, like there's nothing helpful about me taking something personally. You know, he's been stuck in like VA 
purgatory. He's trying to get a medical procedure taken care of, the VA between, you know, where we used to live, where we live now, where the procedure is going to be like, oh my God, like just, and I'm sure you know this way better than I do. It like, and being on the front row, it's maddening. So I can totally understand why he will sit on the phone. I think on Monday he did like 12 phone calls, like all over the country trying to get like this person who's talked to this person who said, no, we need it. Like, and so like, you know, by the end of the day, he was, he was ready to blow his stack. And, you know, he's looking at me and I was listening to most of it while I'm trying to work. So I'm just like, oh my God, he's going to have like, he's going to have a conniption. Um, but the thing is, is that, you know, when we have this conversation, he's like, I don't understand how you still like stay so calm. And I'm like, well, I don't always like, let's be clear. I don't always, but when it comes to something that I know I can't influence and where I know that my best course of action and the best thing I'm going to be able to do to get to the other side involves staying calm and not letting something get under my skin, then it's a lot easier for me to say, okay, look, whatever the hell I got to do, I got to do because getting pissed, you know, for me, it's like yelling at receptionist, right? If you call someplace and you want to talk to like the man in charge or the person in charge, I guess, um, like, dude, don't yell at the receptionist because she's the first person who's going to hang up on you. Or she's the first person who's going to say to their boss, uh, yeah, I got a pissed off guy who's being a jackass here on the phone and he's, you know, yelling at me. So you want me to tell him you're not around? So again, like you just have to kind of remember there's a context and everybody has their own shit they're dealing with. And I think your point about holiday season and triggers is all, we could do a whole episode just on that, right? Because holidays, I mean, under normal non-2020 COVID election circumstances, man, there are people for whom the holidays suck from beginning to end, no matter what. And they bring up all kinds of stuff. But you want to take that plus being stuck at home, plus sick family, plus not being able to see your friends and family, you know, try, like you want to factor all that stuff in. Oh my God, just light a match and watch it blow up because there's, there's so many triggers that, that would not normally even be a thing for most people, right? I think this is another thing to think about too. And I kind of like the holidays as an example for this. I think, you know, we all have triggers, but some of them are closer to the surface than others. And I think if you think about triggers in terms of depth, you know, there are some things that only someone truly close to you can really, really get you, right? Um, in, in my experience, siblings and spouses, man, siblings and spouses, I have found are the ones who know those. And, and there are things that only those two groups of people, like even parents a lot of times can't quite find that same degree of just that, that those two groups, right? Parents have, are kind of can live at their own, get to their own layer, your friends. But I think, you know, other things like COVID or like the holidays can sort of surface some of those triggers a little bit more where, you know, they are more accessible or where you know that, you know what, if I listen to another goddamn Christmas carol on the radio in the car, I'm going to break something, you know, and like, that's a dumb sounding thing, but there are plenty of things that like when you break them down, they kind of sound ridiculous that they're getting under your skin and they wouldn't necessarily always. It's the same reason that when we're already in a bad mood or we're having a bad day or someone else's art that, you know, all of a sudden you're like yelling at the dog or something. It's like, the dog didn't do anything. You were just already in a bad mood. And I think that's the part to keep in mind as well is that, you know, learning to compartmentalize, I think is one of the most important things that I started realizing was that I was being really bad when I was younger about this one thing over here really pissed me off. And I was just sort of spraying, you know, anger every other possible direction and getting better about saying, all right, I feel justified that this person here pissed me off, but I need to deal with this person. I don't need to inflict my anger on everybody else. And starting to do that for me, again, journaling is really helpful um, because I think uh, sometimes it's really easy. And, and, and again, Brene Brown talks about this a lot, right? We kind of inflict the most shit on the people who are closest to us in part 
just because they're there and they're accessible. And especially in a time when we're stuck at home with each other all the time, it can be really, really too easy to have a lousy day and then to take it out on the person you're sitting and having dinner with at night, right? And so, so recognizing that different things happen or di different things you know, inspire different degrees of response at different times based on those circumstances. And that, you know what, when you realize something is pissing you off, try to contain your reaction to that setting. Don't, don't allow that to overflow into everything else. That, that is well said. Um, and I, yeah, that compartmentalizing and not allowing spillage um, as much as possible. Mitigating the spillage is, again, keys, keys to the city right there. No, nah, I love it. It was a good one. I think that's a really important key to actually being able to stay happily married oh, too. Oh, 100%. 100%. Because you like it's so unfair to your spouse to have mm -hmm. a shitty work and then to just you know be a nightmare at <sighs> home. Like, oh yeah. I mean, nobody wants to put up with that, but you also really don't want to think of yourself as someone who does that. And so, so getting developing an awareness that look, yeah. and even and and this was actually I think something that that especially when you're just trying to get a handle on it to be able to mm -hmm. say, look, honey, I love you. I had a horrible, horrible day. Mm -hmm. I crappy mood i don't want to take it out on you but right now i am just spitting nails i need i need to go do whatever i need but i i i need to veg i need to go for a run whatever it is yeah. again it's back to that language and being able to say okay look i don't want to take this out on you yeah but right now i kind of don't trust that it's not just gonna ooze everywhere so so i'm asking you to to a tell me if I'm you know, letting it slip, but B, I'm also telling you that part of what I need right now is space or food or, you know, what I'm going to go to the movie, I, whatever the hell it is. Right. Because if you can't, if you can't find a way to articulate what's going on, it's really hard to ask for what you need um, and to open the door to be getting feedback back. Again, it's to your point about language. All of that is dependent on you understanding yourself well enough to know, yeah, I'm ready to burn the that person's house down. <laughs> so I'm just in a, I'm mad now, right? And if you can't find a way to get that out your mouth, you can't, you can't ask for help. You can't, you know, warn, uh, warn people like just, Hey honey, I'm a, I'm in a lousy mood. Please just, I'm going to go in my, I'm going to go sit, I'm going to go in my office. I'm going to close the door. I don't want to, I don't want to take anybody's head off. So I'm just warning you, I'm going to just go be a hermit for a few hours and like, Yep. Do my thing, whatever it is, you have to be able to say it. Otherwise, you're not going to get anywhere. There it is. There it is. Now, this is a good one today. Ah, uh, it's because this is bringing up like all kinds of stuff right now, right? To your point. Like, oh my God. And again, timing. It's holidays. The holidays do it under normal. Like I said, under normal circumstances, the holidays do it. I mean, forget yeah. now. All of it. So, all righty, my friend. Well, I hope you have a glorious week. You too. Thank you for joining me and Lawrence in this week's episode of Grow or Die. Join us next week when we'll take on our next topic. In the meantime, have a fantastic week.